Um, yeah, not exactly what I intended um, to have happen this morning. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm going to turn it over to you here in just a moment with kind of a, a heavy heart. But uh, yes, uh, for those of you who don't know, Ed and Judy Niebling, they are missionaries that uh, Christian Fellowship has supported for longer than I've been around for sure. Um, so I'm excited that they could be here with us this morning, and I don't think I need to say much more. I'll let you say it on your own. So would you all welcome Ed and Judy this morning? Sometime in early about 1980, when the church was a storefront downtown, is when I was introduced to the congregation through Dortha Sharp. And so uh, you have supported us in missions since then. Of course, it was only me at that time. <laughs> but uh, uh, I came to know Christ at Kansas State University in 1971. In 1973, I joined staff with Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as Crew, in the U.S. And uh, 1974, God called me to Korea, and then a little bit later to the Philippines. And the Philippines was home for the next 40 years. So uh, that's the short story of it. Twelve years into that assignment, I met this beautiful woman. Go ahead. Well, I'd just like to say hi, too, and it's so good to be with you. I remember coming here as a newlywed and then with kids or running around with the little Seymour girls and the Schoonover girls. One of them was up here today. <laughs> so we married later than some, so our kids are young. But anyway, it's a joy to, to be partners all these years. And um, I never knew when I was 19 that I was going to trust Christ and go on to, to serve all these years. It's been 45 years for me now at Crew. So, um, yeah, we wanted to, yeah, and just to tell you, before I met Ed, I was in, the, in uh, the Caribbean for two years and then in Mexico for four years. And then I met him uh, during planning uh, meetings for an international conference. And we thought, hmm, this might be the one we've been waiting for. <laughs> so that was eight, 1986, yeah. That was a long-distance relationship. That's before email. That's, uh, that's when phone calls were about $4 a minute, so we didn't call one another. And uh, anyway. So we have the nice stack of letters to still look back at. <laughs> So we have three kids that uh, were born in the Philippines and raised up until college years in the Philippines. And uh, before we get into the message part and sharing, Judy's going to just give you a little bit of update on the last uh, couple of years of our time in Florida. So, so this is our family today, Andrew, Stephen, and Elisa. So, yeah, some of you have known them since they were small. And um, anyway, won't go into detail about them, though. That would be fun to do. Maybe later we can share more about them. Um, this is Ed's team. He serves uh, as a senior consultant for the South 
and Southeast Asia team. We were so happy when uh, our director over there really wanted him to come and, and fulfill that role, well, virtually. So many late night calls he has to, um, to Asia. He's able to comment on many things that, have, uh, that are going on. So this was at an actual meeting that they had a few months ago in Nepal. It was the shrine of the monkey god, if I have that straight. So It's actually, I don't know if Ed will tell you this or not, but he feels like only God could have dreamt up a role like this that he loves so much because he can bring all these years of experience to bear and sharing um, with the team things that have been tried, things that need to be still tried. And so it's, it's really a joy for him. So my team doesn't look so exotic. I, um, I work in communications, as I have most of my staff life with Campus Crusade, our crew. So um, I'm now on the staff of the president for Campus Crusade, which is Steve Sellers, the man in the middle back. Um, probably in the way of some of you. Um, the lady in the front middle is my boss. She's from South Africa, very energetic and capable lady. So we support the president with, um, in many different ways, our particular global communications team sends out thousands of letters every month to the staff around the world. So I edit them. I've learned how to send them out in all the different languages and um, just uh, do a lot of editing, which is something I'm wired to do, I love to do. So I'm thankful for that. A lot of what we do doesn't look too glamorous, sitting in front of the computer, sitting at home since COVID, not going into our headquarters. We moved to Florida, <coughs> excuse me, to be at our headquarters, and you know now we're working from home, so we're wondering about staying there, but mostly we like it. Um, anyway, we have had the opportunity to influence people around the world from our home, and uh, this was actually taking place during a training we had for... Uh, communicators in Africa. So we had three different regions of Africa represented in the call, and Ed and I put together a training uh, for the people that that send out the um, the stories of what God is doing, and also working with the donors that the ministry needs. I also did a training for some of the Asian ladies in communications from my living room. But one of the biggest joys we've had in the last few years is how God has been knitting our hearts together with young people, something we hadn't really expected to happen and hadn't been trying to make happen, but God has been doing it. This young lady is from the Philippines. We knew her family uh, while we were over there. We met her mother, one of uh, the presidents of one of the big banks, or vice president, rather. And this young lady really wanted to serve the Lord, and we had the joy of getting to counsel her, and she ended up going to Israel with a ministry there. And while we were there a few weeks ago, we got to meet with her and, and continue our relationship. This young lady um, is a funny story. I was at church one Sunday, and I introduced myself to her. I hadn't seen her before, and she asked what we did, and, and I told her we were with crew. And she said, oh, my grandparents are with crew. And she proceeded to tell me her grandparents were from Guatemala, and I had known them when I was in Mexico. (laughs) 
So we have become friends and just have really enjoyed spending time together. And she's planning to change her career from being a nurse to being a lawyer. So I went with her to investigate the law school in northern Florida. So it's a lot of fun for me. Really special to think of how the Lord did that. And then um, the last young lady introduced me to this young lady. She had, was a, a girl coming to our church but didn't really know the Lord. And so Melissa, the last one, wanted me to talk to Gigi. And um, I met with her a couple of times and went over the gospel. And in February, she turned her life over to the Lord. So that's been very special. And we're here with her brother, um, who really likes to talk to us too. And then um, this family, um, the lady, Andrena, is uh, the office manager at the dentist. So um, usually going around, we have these cards with us. I, don't, I can't remember if we talked about it last time we were here. I think so. But uh, this is an everystudent.com card. And they also come in uh, everyperson.com. So I was... Um, I like giving these cards out because it's just, you know, it's a website you can go to. It says, questions about life, questions about God, a safe place to explore. And then it lists some topics of things you might be interested in. So a lot of people will be very intrigued and they'll want to go to the website where you can follow different things and, and come to know the Lord if you are ready. So I... I love doing this, but on the other hand, every time, it's like a little battle to get myself to do it. And this day, for some reason, I had a harder time than ever. And I was actually outside the office, ready to leave, thinking, I'm just not going to do it, I guess. And then I thought, no, I have to obey the Spirit. So I went back in, and I gave this lady a card. She looked at it, and she looked at me, she said, I think I need this. And she said something about having a hard time. So, you know, we left, and then it dawned on me that, you know, she's a lady I could actually see again, unlike many of the cashiers and others that I give cards to that I wouldn't see again, most likely. So when we went back a couple weeks later, uh, we walked in, and the first thing she said to me was, do you have any more cards? Where do you go to church? (laughs) So I was able to say yes I had more cards and please come to our church and she and her husband have been faithfully coming ever since been several months now it turned out that they were believers but they had moved to our area about four years before never gotten involved and they've been so happy getting started in church again and um, have felt like it really changed their lives Um, she had been very sorrowful over the tragic death of a cousin and um Um, just renewing her relationship with the the Lord like that has caused her co-workers to say, you know, what happened to you? So that has been a real joy for me to get to know her and her husband, little son. Am I doing this right? Oh, there. So this is our church home group. This is another... um, Oh, did I? Oh, that's not our church home group. Okay. Okay, let's see if we can go back. Hmm, I might be hitting the wrong thing too many times. Can you help me get back to the big group? Okay, (laughs) sorry, I don't know what I did. There we go. This is our church home group. 
Um, these people have become like family to us, so thankful for them, and the Lord has given us opportunities to minister to them as well. So we're just celebrating Ed's 70th birthday there, and we like to say, you know, we're going to keep going until the Lord tells us to stop, and we're so thankful to, to have that opportunity. Most of these folks are from Puerto Rico, and so we, we really feel at home with them, with the Spanish background that they had in the Philippines. We just feel like this is where we should be, and we love, love them a lot. So the last slide, if we can hit this delicately. Hmm, too delicately. <laughs> well, there we go. Well... Not sure why it has the words over it, but when we get to the right way, it looks there. It there is. It's still a little bit of a dark slide. But when we were in Israel a few weeks ago, we um, noticed this group of Muslim young ladies, and then the two girls on the ends were with Where our group. We? But we were on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and um, you know, we we were happy to. To get in there, you have to go through Israeli security, and they search you, make sure you've got no instruments of, you know, hurting people. Then you go through Muslim security to make sure you have no Christian literature or Bibles or anything. And so it's quite a secure place. And the the Dome of the Rock is built where the temple was before. So this is a place just a little bit away from that where there is bedrock. I mean, it's, it's bedrock there, and they have this little, uh, what do you call it, over it. Go on. Yeah, they even will sometimes send a Muslim along with your group just to make sure you're not saying the wrong thing while you're up there, anything about Christ. And so, um, you know, we, a few of us, mostly these two girls, talked to the other girls. And when it was all over, um, and our two girls, the ones on the ends that were with our tour group, had gone, I was thinking about this card I had in my purse. They hadn't found it. And I thought, should I go over and give them a card? You know, are they going to send the security guys after me? But I just thought, well, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So I went over, and they were very happy to get it. They didn't know, of course, that it was a Christian website I was trying to recommend. But they were from um, Morocco and Afghanistan. And we, this card, in, or this website is in about 40 languages, so hopefully they can find their language and, and come to know Jesus. So anyway, That will tie in a little more with Ed's message, so that's the end for me. Okay. So that's a little update on our personal ministry of the last few months and years. We're going to talk in the time that remains a little bit about the great commission that Christ gave us. Why should we take it seriously? You know, when Christ was here on earth, he died on the cross, and then he came back, and he gave this great commission to us. Last words are important words. Now, just a few weeks before COVID hit and the U.S. and, of course, many other countries locked down, my mom passed away. And the whole family, 
as many as possible came. We wanted to be with her in her last moments. We wanted to hear what she was going to say. Last words are important words, perhaps the most important words to those who are left behind. And it's no different with our Lord himself. He gave this great commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus came and spoke to them. And what did he say? This is the last words in Matthew. Saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. That word nations is to ethne, every ethnic group. It's not countries as we think of it. It's ethnic group, every ethnic group, every language, every tribe. It's to ethne in the Greek. And baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew's recording. But we don't just find the Great Commission here. If we go to Mark, we find the last chapter of Mark. We also find that we are to go to all nations and preach the gospel to all people, all creation in Mark 16, 15. In Luke 24, we also find last chapter of Luke, we find it as well. There in Luke, just so I get it more exact for us, 46 and 47, he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, to ethne again, beginning from Jerusalem. How about John? Did John give a great commission? Did he record one? Well, sure enough, John 20, 21, after Jesus had appeared to the ladies at the tomb there, and when he met the disciples again, he came up to them and said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Just as Jesus was sent, he's sending us. Just as he was sent, he's sending us also. But it doesn't stop there. It picks up again then. Luke picks it up in Acts chapter 1. This is the, the really the very last words from the Mount of Olives, Acts 1.8. I want to start just a couple verses before that. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? They asked that of Jesus a lot. They wanted to know... When's the kingdom going to be set up? 
And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the remotest part of the earth. The disciples wanted to know, is it time? What's going to happen? Jesus says, it's not for you. That's our concern. But that's not Jesus' concern at all. His concern is that we experience power to be his witnesses into all of the earth. Witnesses here is the word martyr. That's where we get the word martyr. Wow. Serious stuff. Martyr to the ends of the earth. What is the Great Commission? It's been said it is the greatest plan ever given to man by the greatest person who ever lived concerning the greatest power ever given with the greatest promise ever made for the greatest good ever recorded. Why should we take the Great Commission seriously? A lot of Christians don't take this seriously. Why should we take this Great Commission seriously? All four Gospels and Acts record the Great Commission in different forms with different meanings. First reason is very simple, and it's really the only reason we need. Because Christ gave it. Because of the one who gave the great commission. And we sang beautifully this morning all about this great one who gave it. The one who is exalted to the highest place in heaven. The one who created the expanse that we see through the telescopes today and to the far distant galaxies. It's all been created through Christ. He holds it all together. This is the one who gave the great commission. He took the form of a man. He came. He lived among us. He died on the cross. And as he left this earth, he gave a commission to the disciples and... What do we do about it? What do we do about that? That was the most important words he had for us. Well, (laughs) we don't need any other reason. But this is what makes the Great Commission great. Because of the greatness of this one that we worship. That we sing about. Now, lest you think it was for the disciples at the beginning, he makes it clear here, Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age or the end of time. So it's given to all of us. It's given to every believer. It's not just for those at the beginning. It's for every person who names the name of Christ. They're given this command to go and make disciples. Basically, if you are a believer, 
you don't have a choice. Well, you do. You have a choice to obey, or you have a choice simply to disobey. And what is disobey? What does that mean? Well, when I read my Bible, when I disobey, I'm sinning. It's sin. And what does sin do? It separates us from God. Sometimes we wonder, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Why am I not blessed like so-and-so? How come, how come, how Well, there's very, maybe this is one of the reasons. Ah, simple matter of obedience to take seriously the great commission. Christ commanded it. We don't need any other reason, really. But there are other reasons as well. Let me go quickly to them. Second, because men are lost apart from Christ. Men are lost apart from Christ. There's no other place that men can go for salvation. Uh, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through me. Acts 4.12, there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. John 3.3, unless a man is born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Cannot. No other way. Spiritual life and death depends on knowing Jesus Christ personally. Every person you meet has already trusted Christ or they have not. They're either spiritually alive or they're spiritually dead. Every person you meet is in one of those two categories. And it's basically up to us to take this good news to them. Uh, Forty years in Asia, I saw that Hindus in the Hindu faith, primarily in India, but Hindus in Nepal, it's the only Hindu kingdom in the world, but they have 30, 330 million gods and goddesses. 330 million. If you're sharing the gospel with them, you've got to be careful how you present Jesus Christ. Because they'll gladly add Jesus as another God. They already have 330 million. They have a hard time uh, deciding which one to worship. It's tough being a Hindu. So if you don't uh, live in a certain way that's better than other people, when you die, you're going to come back as a lower being. Maybe a cow, maybe a snake. If you're really good, you might come back, well, I don't know, hopefully as another person. Uh, The cycle of reincarnation is a very difficult thing. There's no hope in it. They don't know who to worship, basically. How about Buddhism? Is there any hope there? Buddhism tried to 
refine or to improve on Hinduism. But the end result of Buddhism is nihilism. In other words, if you reach a point of enlightenment where essentially it is nothingness, so there's no more pain, there's no more suffering in life, in, in your life, and you become nothing. Isn't that something to look forward to? But that's Buddhism. In Thailand, in Burma, in Vietnam, every structure or building, every plot of land has a spirit house because they know that there are spirits everywhere. Most Americans don't know that there's a whole spirit realm, but they know and they have to placate those spirits. Even Muslims know that. In Indonesia, you will find these little bitty uh, offerings that are put by trees and by the corners of the buildings where they offer day by day little offerings to the spirits. That's all that you can hope for. No future hope at all. Islam itself, it's a reform movement of Jewish belief and Christian belief combined in the 7th century. But in all of Islam, you have to perform the five pillars of Islam. And hopefully, when you die, Allah will accept. But you have no hope of going to heaven for sure. It's all up to Allah. If God wills, if you live a very good life, maybe you can get to heaven. But their ideas of heaven is really different from ours. There is one sure way in Islam of going to heaven, unfortunately, and that is die, give up your life as a suicide bomber is one way. That's been popularized, and unfortunately. Well, is there hope for Christ in all of these great religions of the world? No. No hope at all. If there were any other way to God... Jesus Christ didn't have to die on the cross. The king of glory didn't have to die. If there were any other way to reach God, no need to die. There's a third reason we need to take the Great Commission seriously. Because men everywhere are hungry for God. You know, the greatest growth of Christianity has taken place in the last 150 years. The last 150 years. Our, well, I guess I can't say my generation. <laughs> I'm not that old. But 70% of all the people who've ever been Christians or considered taken the name of Christ have received Christ since 1900. Since the time of Christ, 70% of 
who've ever been a believer in Christ have done so since 1900. 70% of those have trusted Christ since 1950. 70% of those have received Christ since 1985. That's incredible. 35% of all the people who've ever believed in Christ have done so since 1985. God has moved mightily around the world. A third of all the people who've ever believed in Christ have done so in the last 40 years. That's what I'm saying. Can you believe that? It's amazing what God is doing. The country of Nepal. I first went to Nepal in 1981. 1982, well, 1979, but first went there for ministry purposes in 1982. There were about a thousand known Christians in the whole country. If you were caught witnessing to somebody, seven years in jail. That's what it was like. But we were starting a training center for local house church pastors at that time. Today, how many believers in Nepal? About two million. A church that I preached in when I was there in 1982, just a small church. I don't know, maybe it was this big. People sitting on the floor, singing radiant faces for Christ, even though police could come at any time, and they asked me to speak. And I thought, boy, this is how I go to jail. <laughs> but I, pray, I just prayed and said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll share with them. I don't know. I, I just talked about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. When I was in Nepal a few weeks ago, well, the pastor of the church is someone who came to Christ, was discipled through our ministry. He joined staff for six years, very sharp fellow. The church had continued to grow. And then they came after six years and they came to our ministry and said, we would like this staff member to be our pastor. Would you let him come and be our pastor full time? Oh, that was hard because he was a quality fellow. Finally, we agreed, okay, you can leave and you can become the pastor of this church, Potton Church in Kathmandu. When I went back there this time, the church now is a three-story building. It's a training center for pastors and women and many other things. Uh, they started a ministry started with the vision in the year 2000 to have 2000 to have 500 daughter churches throughout the whole country when we saw one another we hugged we embraced he told me the vision he said we only got 487 new churches in the last 20 years. I, in Nepal, 487 new daughter churches from this one church. What a brother. What a vision in this 
only Hindu kingdom in the world. They still can't register their churches with the government. They're still under surveillance. But they have house churches all over the entire country. He had a map he put up on the wall with a flag in every single place they have daughter churches. Sorry, I can't read my notes now. God is doing it. China, China, 1979, the doors began to open. They estimate 3 million people survived the Cultural Revolution in China. Today, 120 to 150 million believers in China. Now they have begun to persecute again the believers. God's spirit is moving. It's incredible what is happening there. People everywhere are hungry. They're hungry. Fourth reason we need to take the Great Commission seriously, because it demonstrates our love for God and for men. Do you really love your neighbor? Do you love your neighbor? How do you show love to your neighbor? The greatest act of love is sharing the gospel with them because that's their single greatest need of their life. Our pastor in Florida, we go to a new church. It's only about three years old. has about 250 members now already. It's growing. But our pastor, he was preaching long and he said, if you're not going to share with your neighbors, you better get a sign here and it, it's a sign and put in your yard, go to hell. <laughs> Everybody kind of sat back in their seat. If you don't love your neighbors who are right around you, how can you say you love your neighbor? And if you don't love your neighbor, how can you say you love God? Doesn't work according to Jesus. That's what Jesus says. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what Jesus said. It demonstrates our love for God and for men. Time up? I don't know. A fifth reason... Because the Spirit of God has created hunger for God in the hearts of people now. Oh, you look at our country. I'm in the U.S. now. I'm not in Asia. But it's, it's there too. The Spirit of God has created hunger for God in the hearts of people. What do you think the purpose of COVID was or is A lot of people wonder, well, look, for example, at all the fighting and the division that has happened, all the anxiety, all of the struggle that has been created just because of this thing called COVID. Who has taken advantage of it? 
Satan. What's he done in the churches? Divided them. Whose plan is that? Satan. Look at the opportunity it has brought. People are anxious. People are fearful. People don't know what's right and what's wrong. What is the message and what is the answer for it? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is at the bottom of this. It's, this is what it's all about. How about all the political fighting going on in our country? Same story. Oh, it's worse than it's ever been. I agree. Who's winning? Satan, prince of the power of the air. He's winning. Who has the answers? You do. Jesus. How about our economic crisis? What's the answer to that? People are worried. People are scared. What about this? What about that? Who has the answer to that? You do. It's Jesus. All this chaos and all this struggle, Jesus is the answer. You have that answer. Are you sharing the answer with people? We have tremendous opportunities to share the gospel with people. My goodness. A few examples of what God is doing. I've told many stories here in the past about the Jesus film. It's now in, as of this month, in its 2000th language has just been dubbed. 2,000 languages. That means 99% of all the people around the world, Jesus' film is in their language. 99.5%, I think it is, of people around the world, the Jesus' film is in their language. So, how can you share the gospel with people? Well, you just download Jesus Project on your phone and you have access to 2,000 languages. So I don't think you're going to meet too many people who speak all those languages. But if a Muslim neighbor or a Hindu neighbor around here somewhere or uh, somebody from Burma, uh, you have their language available. And they would be interested to watch it. It's right here. Last year, just got this at our staff conference. Last year, 2021, 764 million people in one form or another viewed the Jesus film. 764 million people around the world around this globe. More than 18 million, 18.7 million made decisions for Christ. And 113,000 new churches were started from the groups that formed from watching it. Their new goal, every tribe, every screen. Every screen 
The Jesus film would be on every screen. Wow. Not only is the Jesus film there in 2,000 languages, but there are 200 other films and languages, evangelistic, that are there as well. Digital, digitally, we have the ability to share the gospel with two-thirds of all the people on the planet through phones now. And that is one of the goals that our ministry has. Judy mentioned these cards that uh, of websites. They're in 41 languages. Everystudent.com. Over in the Middle East, in one of these uh, Middle Eastern countries, an Arab student wanted to see about getting a, a degree or, or study to a college, and maybe he could come to the U.S. to study. So he was looking for the possibility online of scholarships. So he typed in on his computer, Arab student. And what is the first thing that popped up? Every student, every Arab student.com. This website popped up. Now, Arab student, about Jesus. He read and he said, It's true. This is truth. And this Muslim student in an unnamed Muslim country put his faith in Jesus Christ. Click the sign. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. And got into a follow-up online program. As he began to grow, he began to share that with his family. He began to share it with fellow students in his country. And at last count, he had led almost 50 other Arab students to faith in Christ just through this one contact that he had. God is doing some great things. Every day, through this and a few other websites, 550,000 people are online. 550,000 people every day are online learning about Christ or being discipled. God's doing some great things. Oh, wow. The goal right now, one billion exposures per year through our ministry digitally is a large part of that now. One billion a year. It's not going to be difficult because last year we were over 750 million exposures digitally. So we're right there. God is doing a great thing in our day. Greater than we could have ever imagined. COVID accelerated all that God is doing. All of this digital, you know, they were driven to these websites through COVID. How, you know, 
It's amazing. The, the Global Alliance for Church Planters, which our ministry started, now has over a hundred different church planting agencies involved in it. In the last, uh, since it was started, they have 3.8 million new churches planted around the world. 3.8 million new churches. Many of them are house churches still because they're in tough countries. That's what God is doing. The Great Commission is God's idea. It's our responsibility. He didn't leave it alone. He didn't leave it to us alone, though. Remember what Matthew 28 says? I am with you always. He is with us. All we have to do is take the step of faith to share a card. Judy and I give out these cards probably by the thousands. Every cashier, every person, uh, you know, every place we, we, we go. And Let me tell you just one story and I'll close. Father's Day this year. Father's Day. Uh, my son, youngest son in Florida, of course, uh, you know, he came and we went out to this restaurant. And the waitress came and she had a very deep voice and she had tattoos on her neck and down her arms and so on. And, and I just was burdened for this girl. She took it, took our order and, and we ate and I was just thinking, how am I going to share with her? So at the end of the meal, my son took the bill. I was glad for that. I, I just said to the girl, now, do you prefer tips added on to the credit card or would you like, do you prefer tips in cash? And she started, she explained, and it was obvious she liked cash because if you give on credit card, sometimes they never see that. And I thanked her for that and I said, by the way, could I pray for you? And she looked at me like, you would? What would you like me to pray for? And she got these tears in her eyes. And she started, you know, just right here in this busy restaurant on Father's Day. She had tears running down her face. And she said, well, I'm a pastor's daughter. And I was... And she said, would you pray? I'm trying to get a house of my own. And we don't, I don't have enough you know, money to do that and so on. So just pray for that. And then she got down on her knees, right in front, right in the aisle in front of my table. And I'm almost embarrassed. <laughs> she, she just didn't care about anybody else in this busy restaurant. And she bowed her head right in front of the table. I just prayed for her and we gave her one of the cards and she said prayed it was done and 
got up and she said, thank you so much. You don't know what this means to me. I didn't know what it meant for sure. I didn't know, but God knew. All I had to do was just ask a very simple question. I was just burdened by her, just a complete stranger. Can I pray for you? God did an amazing work right there. The Great Commission is God's idea. He wants us to be available and be a part of it. And by the way, in closing, it's not a question of will the Great Commission be fulfilled. Revelation 7-9. The end of the story. The end of the story. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches, were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The Great Commission is going to be fulfilled. No question about it. The only question is, are you going to be a part of fulfilling it or part of the problem that prevents the soon fulfillment of it? Be a part of it. I pray that this congregation will continue to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission. And that next time that we visit, you will not only have all these chairs filled, but maybe uh, Jarrett will have to have two sessions in which he's preaching every Sunday. As you reach out and neighbors uh, from many places are coming to fellowship and to worship with you. God loves you. We are so appreciative of your part in the ministry with us. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We are grateful that we have the privilege just to be a part of all that you're doing in the world, in our communities, in our lives. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.